Greetings program. Hello and welcome to Tronologically Speaking, a movie by minute podcast talking about Disney's 1982 movie Tron. This is Minute 35. I'm your host, Duncan Shields, and with me today is my astute, intuitive, and honorable guest co-host, Connor Colson. Welcome, Connor. Oh, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. It's a pleasure to be here. Now, what happens in this minute? We got uh, Ram, Tron, and Flynn all get introduced and hang out for a bit before Flynn gets ushered out of the cell to the game grid. Yeah, and so we talked a lot in the last minute about lots of things, but um, I I think I'll start with with the costumes, but I also want to talk about pacing, so I'll just sort of keep them in mind, but... Um, Actually, no, I should talk about the pacing first because that idea is at the top of my head. Sorry. We'll yeah. do that. So this scene, compare this to how we get to the games in Legacy. So Sam Flynn is just transported into the grid. Now, Tron Legacy is made to be a standalone film, really. It doesn't expect you to have seen the original Tron. No. And so Sam finds this table. He starts typing away on it. This laser shoots at him, and he's transferred into this digital world. Yeah, not but explained get, through words. But we get a little ripped off there because I watched Tron Legacy again, and we don't get to see him get transported into the world. Like in this, I in know, Tron, right? Nineteen eighty-two, he gets shot in the back, he gets taken apart bit by bit. It's this amazing sequence that they could do a yes. lot easier today. They had the the effort they put into that sequence back in nineteen eighty-two was and it's obs- iconic, obscene, iconic. And then in this one his POV just kind of pixelates and then he wakes up in the world. And I totally forgot that that was the case until I saw it recently. And I was like, wait a second. We didn't get to see an awesome transformation de-resing sequence here. You know, that's literally did not think about it until now, because in my memory, when I was thinking about seeing, describing it, I thought, yeah, it, it, they just do the same thing, right? No, they didn't. My memory just filled that. Yeah. (laughs) Cause it should be there. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but, you know, instead of having about half an hour with Laura explaining, okay, so here's an orange and we're going to break it apart and it's going to go into the digital world. Blah, blah. Yeah, no, it just throws you in. And then a recognizer shows up, Sam gets picked up, he looks around, there's all these weird programs, they're kind of freaking out, oh, what's going on? Next thing he knows, he's being suited up for battle and he's thrown into the games and that's it. Whereas Tron really holds your hand. So here we're sitting around some character explaining, okay, well, you're going to go to the games. You're going to play some games. Oh, I can play games. You know, just do it. Show, don't tell. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's, there's a lot to be said for the pacing in this movie being slower than the pacing of movies these days. I know Mm, that I I would compare it. Sorry. (laughs) I showed my eight year old, the Tron, and she she lasted about half the movie, and she really liked about the first half of the movie. But then she started mm. to drift drift a little bit there. And I think first also the fact always that it wants the women to have more in them, yeah. Because she she kept asking me like, "Are there any other women in this movie?" Interesting, you know. And I'm like, "No, there's just Dr. <laughs> Laura Baines, and you're not going to see her program for like another 45 minutes." So. She was like, oh, okay. So she couldn't really dig it because there was no representation, which I was like, yeah, well, that's fair, right? That's totally fair. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, very, very, uh, how old is she? 
Eight. That was very aware, I think. That's good on that. I, I think it was just I an said... idle question, right? She's just like, oh, where's... Probably where's we're reading too much into it. Yeah, a lot of her, a lot of her entertainment these days that gets created these days goes to at least some sort of length to add more than one uh female yeah character. i mean you got like she-ra and you got well it's not recent but avatar legend of korra i like that yeah one. yeah or even and... like dragon the dragon riders one anyway but we but we yes. digress yes <laughs> get, get into the get into the weeds again um yeah, pacing reminds me of Alien. Actually, it's not like Aliens, which are, sure. I think came out around the same time. Or, oh, actually, oh, I did a- look it up. So, um, Aliens was late. Uh, ET... late. Oh yeah, eighty-eight. Y- yeah. I think. Oh god! Now, oh, I I am a terrible Alien fan. Hang on. <laughs> Nineteen eighty-six. Okay. Eighty-six. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, so the same year, the thing, E.T. And Poltergeist came out, and not just in I the same think... year, in the same six weeks. And it wasn't just ET, oh and it God. wasn't just it wasn't just ET, it wasn't just Poltergeist. It was also Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan. It was also oh, Blade. Yes. It was also Blade Runner. Uh, it was also uh, Conan the Barbarian. They all came out like f- like from like mid June to like late July. <laughs> they just came out in one yeah. amazing six week. <laughs> Wow. Like ridiculous life defining run. Um well I so doing Prometheus, that came out in twenty twelve and look up the amount of movies, like big major successful movies that came out in twenty twelve. It is bonkers. So oh, okay. there's certainly something about certain time periods. Um yeah, so twenty twelve, like you had The Dark Knight Rises, uh, the first Avengers movie. Hang on, I gotta look it up because there's too many. Um, oh no, I'm using not using Google. Well, getting well while we're looking that up. uh, Ram says, Ram says, you really think the users are still there? Uh, Which sort of implies Mm. that faith in the users was more widespread at one point. That maybe before yeah. before the MCP took over, the programs had somewhat definitive proof of their creators. But now that they're under the umbrella of the MCP and it's bottlenecking in control of their user streams, there's nothing to prove that the users are still there. It's like the MCP took control of the lesser gods and made itself the one god, right? Yeah, which is, again, I, I am seeing a lot of Catholic church allegories there where people used to have a one-on-one relationship with God and then they wrote the Bible in Latin, and it's like, well, unless you know how to read and know how to read Latin, which is a language you don't speak, well, you have to come to us, the clergy, to help you have a relationship with God. Yeah. And uh, I'm assuming initially it was a bit more like Clue and Flynn, where they're just, uh, you know, one-on-one, there's very much direct conversation between the two of them. Right. Um, so yes, 2012, Looper, Life of Pi, Moonrise Kingdom, The Avengers, Argo, Dark Knight Rises, Lincoln, Beast of the Southern Wild, Zero Dark Thirty, Cloud Atlas, The Hunger Games, Amazing Spider-Man, Django Unchained, Skyfall, Wreck-It Ralph, Brave, and the list... Oh, Magic Mike, very important. The list goes on and on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a pretty incredible year. Oh yeah, it's crazy. And I'm just... Like, that's the first 10 results or so. Yeah. Um, One thing uh, from a costume uh, side. Oh yes, costume. That was my. That was the second point. 
Yes. What's interesting in this one shot here is that uh, Flynn still has his one shoulder Roman half toga thing costume, but Ram and Tron don't. I am forever conflicted on that toga thing because I just sort of go, it it's made of what is quite clearly a woven fabric, so it looks okay to real world, and it doesn't look properly integrated. And I don't know how else I would would I change the color, would I add circuitry? I don't know, but I kind of look at it and just think. Was that just so you can't see his junk? Like, it just seems like a modesty thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's. I think it's a callback to uh, a Roman toga, I think, or something like that. Oh, and yeah, I also gladiatorial. That, yeah, gladiatorial. And it, it seems to me like, like Ram and Tron don't have that toga on, and I guess it's because they've leveled up in armor or won enough fights to be given more protection. Or maybe they've just figured out that the fabric is more of a hindrance than a plus and they just threw them away, right? Yeah, we see more programs being sent to the games in the next minute. And I can't remember. I think they've still some of them still have the tokens. We shall see. Yeah, um, like, Flynn, like Flynn was created day one with the sash, as I assume everybody mm-hmm. else is. Because everybody seems to be an adult right off the bat it's sort of like when you start skyrim and you just sort of have your, your yeah. rags for clothing that's what that's what you got this is what you get yeah this is your day one uniform which kind of makes me wonder if there's any kids in the tron world or if all the if all the programs get created just as adults you know ah yeah well you see, i, I kind of got that impression in tron legacy that you are just sort of you you, you you're born or created emerge fully formed as an animal yeah yeah you have to learn that must be so strange like because like you definitely get that uh, from uh cora cora i never say Cora. yeah (laughs) cora i think it's cora um yeah cora there we go like legend of cora so um she has that what they call the born sexy yesterday trope yeah 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 she's very naive and childlike and that must be strange when you're so maybe you're a program and you're the equivalent of like a hundred years old and then you've got these programs who are a day old and so they've got adult bodies but they're still acting like children it must be very surreal yeah very surreal and you know maybe it's not a good place for for kids but it would be a neat avenue to kind of explore especially if you've got the isos and nascent ai and naturally occurring ai like mm. why, why wouldn't they start out as children as they were learning uh but you know whatever that's yes, not especially something I because think yeah flynn has created a world he definitely wanted a civilization he kind of wanted it looks like his idea was just this really cool kind of nightclub city that everyone's just having a great time and that was his vision and so it seems like well that his ultimate goal is to head more towards humanity or human traits and a more realistic world yeah in some ways and so these isos are a reflection of that so i could absolutely see and they should have done this where they show i'm having flashbacks to the disney atlantis movie where i think kida is her name and she's a little Mm. kid and the, the her city is destroyed just basically do that with Cora, where she, um, yeah, she, as an ISO, had a childhood. That would be really cool. Yeah, that would be really cool. Uh, and then uh, after Ram says, you think the users are still there, Tron looks up to the heavens and says, there better be, 
I don't want to bust out of here and find nothing but a bunch of cold circuits waiting for me, hmm. which I can understand what he means. Like, what if he defeats the MCP and the users are still silent? You know, like, what if they that kill... That would be terrifying. Like, what if they kill God and the old gods don't come back and they're left to their own devices and free will? Like, he says a bunch of cold <laughs> circuits, but that, I mean, that could be a pretty cool independence in some way. But, like, you know, what do you think? Yeah, I can't believe how much existentialism is in Tron. I never thought about it before. <laughs> but yeah, I suddenly again, you, you, and this is probably why a lot of people watching it just casually, just you don't get it because it the dialogue is quite efficient, which dialogue should be. But also at the same time, you don't linger on those thoughts long enough to go, well, hang on, that is actually quite scary. That you are. I guess I mean yeah, Tron is is a true believer, but I guess there's there's an agnostic streak in even the, the most faithful. We go, oh, but what if I'm wrong? But what if there's nothing else? And if you are someone who has always thought of there being a higher power, and then to be faced with that idea of oh, but what if it's just me and I have to govern myself and we have to govern ourselves as a people? That would be pretty scary. Yeah, would be very scary. It's like being a child and getting lost in the shop is like oh god what do I do now? oh man what a great what a great analogy yeah it's like a child getting lost in the mall and you can't find your parents all of a sudden yeah definitely a very yeah. scary experience um but yes uh, going back to the costumes interesting that uh ram has the most armor because he i i find well, i think he's like an accounting program so he's not really yeah a combat-based character by nature, no. but I don't know. He's been uh, grinding in the game longer than everyone else. Maybe he's just sort of been leveling up on those smaller activities, the side quests. Yeah, that's and... what I think. So, well, I sort of, I sort of see Ram as like a, he is a side quest. He's like a side quest come to life. I think <laughs> it's interesting, but there's no armor on the back. I don't know how it's actually attached to him. So you've got this chest armor. Yeah. The only thing I can think is maybe there's some hidden seams in the leotard that they uh, hidden holes that they in the seams that they thread the armor through but i really like that look i think maybe tron should have had the chest armor that looks yeah. <laughs> in a way yeah ram looks a little bit better than uh than tron tron's got the circle with the sort of t-shaped dots on it but yeah it's not yeah which i mean that's that. iconic i think they they gave him a logo at least yeah, yeah, Ram doesn't have a logo. He's just got the the regular armor, but he does seem definitely more kitted out than uh, than anybody else. I I wanted to do more research into the costumes, but I mean everything you look up, it's like here's an interview with the Tron Legacy design. No, I don't want the Tron Legacy. I want the original. Ugh. But uh, all I could find, and I think I've got that in the last minute's notes. Where was it? Uh, I wrote too much stuff because... Oh, that's okay. <laughs> when I do Prometheus, I write... It's basically an essay, so it's like two or three pages, which is equals 15 minutes when you read it out straight up. And I had an extra week to work on these notes, so... Well, okay, we'll talk a God little bit about... God help us all. I'll talk a little bit about RAM a little bit. Like I wonder, well, one thing I'm wondering, like when the, when the MCP takes control of a bunch of programs and takes away all their mm. gods, those programs must be thinking like, geez, are our gods even around anymore? And how come this is happening? And how come those gods aren't intervening? 
you know, and I guess that's sort it is of almost like, like uh, the transition from paganism to Catholicism. So, like when the Christians came to, um, well, the Viking territory. So they weren't the names of the countries we have now. It's yeah. not Sweden and all. It just I will say the the Viking regions is probably a better term. Um, they're like, oh, Loki, he has horns, so he must be satanic. He's a villain now. Yeah, um, you yeah. know, just they're coming in rewriting the entire narrative of their faith. And so yeah. we don't know how long this has been going on. No, but, but I, I think, I, I think about like... that with, uh, I think, aspects of colonialism as well. Like here, mm. when one, one society takes over another and, uh, you know, your gods aren't doing anything to protect you from these invaders you must be like yeah, well, what's... again this existential crisis of where's my user why isn't aren't they stopping the mcp yeah right so that's <laughs> where's why mom I... i'm lost in target <laughs> i don't know that's why i don't know how ram is still so chipper but i guess he's uh sort of like a, a jester character like he's got a smile on the pain kind of thing like that's that's why i like ram I like Ram quite a mm. bit. I like his. I like what he brings to this character because Flynn is kind of this clueless guy. He's also making jokes and cracking wise. But he's <laughs> clueless. Also... Oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he clues Flynn. dead, so he is a clueless. <laughs> he's, Flynn is yeah. Flynn is literally clueless at this moment, and uh, and then, um, but then Tron's like, yeah, he's the noble warrior. He's got, he's just like all business stoic. And then, Ram is the dealing with it through through being through humor. He's like, ah, well, you know, he's just putting a smile on it, even though he's he's obviously been through tons of battles and taken hundreds of lives, and he's an actuarial program, you know. So, yeah, I he's he is an underrated character. I, I'm always I always like him when I watch this film, and there's sort of a sweetness and a lightness to him that you don't really get from the other characters. No, and that's down to the actor. Like that's just down to Dan Shore. He's got that. He's got this really nice face, this really open, friendly face, you know. And I really, uh, he's a I human really, Labrador. He's a human Labrador. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way <laughs> of putting it. Um. Oh yes. So uh, the costume designers, I was saying, uh, is uh, so it's Eloise Jensen and Rosanna Norton. That's and right. That's right. Eloise didn't really go on to do much. Uh, Rosanna did a number of genre works in the eighties and nineties, but it surprises me that there wasn't really an interview. There really wasn't any indication of how they approached this film and i'd really love to know i mean i can i can guess based on you know my own experiences but it's a real shame i'll never know those discussions between the director and the, and the costume designer well, so with prometheus I mean, if there's still the furious gods documentary oh sorry yeah if they're still around if, it, if yeah, either of them are uh, still i think one around. of them i think one of them is yeah Oh, okay. The other one had passed away quite recently. But I was just going to say, in the um, Pr- Prometheus Furious Gods documentary, it's like three hours long, so you best bet they're talking about costumes. Sure, yeah. Yeah, this was all made, like, there was some publicity reels and stuff like that made, but it was made before, you know, like the extras on the Lord of the Ring DVDs, you know, that are longer oh, than the yeah. actual movies, you know, yep. which, is a, which is a shame. It is. Um, the... Or, or occasionally you'll have a movie like Star Wars or Alien where people go back 
and make documentaries. They'll go through the archives. They will track down the actors and stuff, and they'll fill out that history. And I'm amazed they didn't do that when they made Tron Legacy. They weren't like, oh, we'll get the original actors. We'll start talking to the original cast and crew and kind of follow it. But yeah, no one really did that. Oh well, there's they they were consulted a lot. There's a lot of the some of the original crew that's was involved in Legacy, so there was. Mm. There was oh there no, was, I mean they didn't make a documentary or something. I don't think they made. There was they no... made uh, on the on the disc that I've got of Tron. There is a short film of the director Mike Lisberger taking his son to the Disney vaults and looking and opening up all the concepts for Tron. Steve Lisberger, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, did I say Mike or what did I say? Yes. It is. It is Steven Lisberger. Yeah. Sorry, I got that wrong. I keep doing that with um, one of the screenwriters. John Spates for, uh, for for Prometheus keeps saying his first name wrong, so I just keep saying Spates. I'll never get it wrong. Right, right. Uh, f- well, Flynn says, uh, hey, who are you guys? And walks to the doorway between their cells to talk to them. But just as Ram says, hold it, he bonks into the invisible force field separating their their uh their segments their cells and i love invisible forest fields i love them in star trek and i love them here the idea the idea that something only shows up when you bonk into it is just wonderful to me it looks like an open door and then with one cheap special effect you know you can save a little on on set design i guess there's a there's a there's something fun about it there's something a lot of fun there's a purple hexagonal grid pattern that flashes up for a second after a purple starburst around flynn's knee and it looks a little a bit like the pattern for i guess heath ledger's joker shirt in the second in the in the batman i was about to say the same thing oh well there you go yeah you'd know that with the character with the costume design angle yes great minds ride a bike um and it is one of the rare instances of a texture so when i was talking earlier about uh flynn's tunic that also has texture and so whenever i see it in this film it really stands out because everything is so stripped back so well i guess if we're talking in terms of graphics within a computer or, or a game so primitive and yet suddenly you have these more complicated patterns and you, you your your eye is really drawn to it yeah yeah also in here i really like the uh the sound design because yeah oh can... i was mentioning that before we started recording the sound design in this film is amazing you can just listen to it in isolation and you will know what film it's from yeah, like here, every scuff and footstep is flattened out and highly flanged, and it sounds all different and strange. It's like sound design is very important, even in a, you know, what you'd think was a mostly visual film like this. But Frank Frank mm. Serafine was the sound designer, and he says it was Mike Minkler who mixed all the stuff and added reverb to it. They also looped or dubbed most of the in-world dialogue after that film was shot. Uh, getting all the actors together in like a, a loop group to redub their lines so that they could add effects to them later. Yeah, it seems like it. To flatten them out for different Which spaces. Gi- yeah, and it gives this kind of surreal quality. I think there's some, there is so much being done visually and in terms of the audio in this film that it just it's so clever. Like you're yeah yeah. Um, I would also say that it's comparable to the Memphis art style. So uh, just look it up. But it's like the quintessential 80s look. Um, I think there's a little bit of that Memphis architecture being oh, worked okay. in. But at the Is same that time... what that? Because I think I know what you're talking about. I think I know that like high 80s art 
uh, sort of yeah. like, yeah, mix in some black and white. It's the beginning of some sort of shaky cam stuff. There's some, yeah. Okay. Mm. I think I know. I want to, I'm going to look that up. The moment I found out the name for Memphis style, I went, oh, that makes so much more sense that's, now. And you kind of, that's what that is. Yeah. 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 Which I get, I, I don't, oh no, I did mention it in the last episode is having cultural context. So as I've gotten older and just done more research on history yeah, and yeah. knowing, okay, this designer, this school of designers came out of his work and then this influenced this and da, 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 da. So you're really able to follow that evolution. So you're seeing a bit of that. You're seeing yeah. vector art. You're seeing, I mean, it's trying to replicate what you're seeing in computers mm-hmm. at the time, which actually this is more sophisticated because obviously they had to do a lot of this. With Way more sophisticated. But, yeah. This is some high concept uh, fever dream stuff. This is, yeah. Yeah, I mean, arcade games did not look like the, or, was, you know, the yeah, backgrounds was, of this. Nothing was capable of anything like this, yeah. One but thing they I like, were kind of on the right track. Like, oh, in yeah. the 90s, early PC games looked like this. So yeah. they, again, it's incredible how on the ball they were, and they it really was, knew. Yeah, they predicted a lot. It was very prophetic, and I guess, I think in a lot of ways, probably just, like, influential. Like, I'm not sure, if kind of a chicken and egg oh, thing. True. Like, did yeah. these 90s games look like Tron, or, you know, did Tron tell these 90 games, 90s games how to look? Like, it's... Uh, this movie is so underrated. Someone should do a Movies by a Minute on it, I swear. <laughs> I swear. Somebody should do a really deep dive on this movie. You know, but it, like in the sound, uh, just one last, or well, not one last, but okay. a point about the sound design is that you can hear the games being played in the distance. You can hear far mm. off explosions and different sounds. It's pretty ominous. You hear these True. like booms happening in the background. You're like, hey, what's what's going on out outside these, out these outside these uh, these cells? And it's kind of funny is if you if you listen really really faintly, you can hear other prisoners talking in the background in other cells oh. and they're saying hilarious things uh in this scene particularly what i could pick up was uh another program overload uh something one at a time to the games uh secondly there's no way the mcp could well the mcp doesn't even do anything and then someone says i pleaded temporary short circuitry <laughs> and somebody says uh <laughs> just as they're leaving someone says man if i don't get some random access soon so you know I didn't, I, I didn't i didn't i didn't pick up on that the first time i saw it but then now i had the, the sound cranked up in the headphones and i'm like wait are they saying stuff like so there's some background conversations happening which I thought sometimes was if you well you need to have a, a blu-ray drive for your heart for your hard drive um you can actually uh isolate every single layer of audio I don't know if you can do that with DVDs. I know you can do it with Blu-rays, definitely. But oh, yeah, okay. you can absolutely isolate every individual track. And thankfully, I've done that with Covenant. And yeah, you do notice all these little bits and pieces. And I wonder if that audio or the dialogue is just some of the sound guys going, we need a little bit more in here. So we're going to record our own stuff and shove it in yeah. the background. Um, oh, going back to Chicken and Egg, did Tron influence how games look? Or did Tron just sort of... Uh, you know, was working within the parameters of what a game can look like. Well, looking at this set, it is all geometric. So they know that, you know, round shapes are more difficult. 
And you're also seeing, and this is more obvious in the next minute, because I had it in my notes, but I'll mention it now. Light does not bounce off of surfaces. And in real games, oh God, I mean, we were still perfecting, I mean, we're still perfecting lighting now. Lighting is one of the most complicated aspects of physics. There are so many little nuances and um watch corridor crew on youtube they're very popular and they sort of break down why special effects work and oh don't is work. that like uh you know vfx experts watch bad special yeah, effects they react that, to right? yeah, yeah. yeah yeah and so i think what tron does is quite clever i mean it, it might just be well the limitations of the technology they're just adding the light in post so it's not throwing light on people's faces same thing with lightsabers but I think that's actually really, that's a good idea that this world, it's an 80s computer. So of course it can't do that. That takes way yeah. too much rendering power. Yeah. Yeah. But in Legacy, it can. Yeah. And um, there's all other things with light, um, like uh, subsurface scattering. So especially with tr- translucent materials yeah. like your skin, there's a little bit of a glow. You don't get that in Tron. There's no. all these other elements of light and, and sound that this world just doesn't have because it just doesn't have the physics or the processing power to emulate those physics. Yeah. And yeah, on the true. one hand, it's just, it's just, you know, uh, the limits of the technology making the film, it's budgetary, it's all that. But it also works. It's absolutely what a computer should look like. It definitely works. There's something about it that really comes together. It becomes something that's a little greater than the sum of its parts. Uh, mm. And Ram, after he runs into the force field, Ram says, you got to watch those force fields. You'll have plenty of chances to get hurt. Don't worry about that with a smirk. And then there's a cut mm. to Flynn, a Flynn hopping around. And then there's a cut back to Ram where his face is suddenly quite solemn. It's a bit of a strange cut. It looks like he should be just be finished speaking and still have a smirk on his face. But he's really serious all of a sudden. And I think that's sort of a, yeah. there might have been something in the editing there where that didn't quite match up but it also works because i guess talking about the death arenas sort of harshes him out and makes him not smiley anymore but it's a quick it's a quick cut where suddenly he's all of a serious the one quick cut in tron (laughs) yeah well there's a few there's a few definitely that that happened oh the one yeah the one quick cut sure yeah there's a there's a a pacing issue with the editing yeah um yeah uh what we oh yeah pain so this is something that's coming up in AI discussions a little bit lately, and I find it okay. quite intriguing. Yeah. So we are understanding more, as we understand more about human psychology and neurology, we're able to apply that to AI. Okay. Because um, one AI, AI expert says, if we were so simple, we could understand how we worked, we'd be too simple to figure out how we work, you know, basically. Oh, that's um, a, oh, that's great. I like that. Yeah, we are incredibly sophisticated machines. And we're starting to understand the evolutionary development of emotion. So most animals have your fight or flight response. We're, they're all able to have a response to stimulus. Mm. And that's essentially what emotion is at its most fundamental level is what they call interoception. Um, if you want to look into it more, um, Lisa Feldman Barrett, she wrote a book called, I think, uh, How Emotions Are Made or Emotions in the Brain or something. I haven't read it in a few years, but it's very good. And it basically supposes that when you're born, 
you have your interoceptive senses. You have comfortable, uncomfortable, excited, calm. Or you have sort of a cross-section of two or three. Mm-hmm. And as you get older, you learn, ah, happy, sad, angry. And then you get older and regret, embarrassment, um, you know, anxiety, more, more nuanced, sophisticated emotions. Yeah. But ultimately, it's your body that feels that before your brain does. So she uses this example of she's on a date with this guy, didn't really think she had any chemistry with him, but they're at this cafe having a coffee and they're chatting away and she suddenly has this sort of flushed feeling in her face and, oh, my heart's all aflutter and, oh, I, uh, maybe I do have something, some connection here. Maybe, maybe I'll give him another chance. So she says, oh, yeah, I'll see you next week. She gets home, starts vomiting. <laughs> she has the flu. <laughs> oh, I see. So a lot of the time, and this is what you get taught with mindfulness meditation, is be aware of what your body's doing. And then you can consciously make that decision. Like someone says something that pisses you off and then you suddenly feel hot and you, you feel tense. But if you're aware that you're feeling hot and tense, you can go, oh, okay, it's happening. I'm going to stand yeah. back. Yeah. And it's how really, AI... Yeah. Well, that's, uh, yeah, some mornings I'll wake up and I'll be really touchy and I'll mm-hmm. be like really sort of snippy. And I, I'll like being older and more of an adult now, I'll be like, huh, I'm really touchy and snippy today. I wonder what that's yeah, about. Yeah, having that self-awareness. Yeah, and I can, um, choose, like the other I can day, choose not to, right? You know. Mm. Uh, the other day was like, I don't know, so 40 degrees Celsius, like 90, 95 Fahrenheit. Okay. Um, it, it was hella hot, and it was humid, and I had a fever. And I was just so irritated at everything and everyone. And just, yeah. I know no one said anything wrong. Or if they've said something mildly annoying, it's not that bad. Yeah. But I just could not handle anything. It was just, I hate everyone and everything. <laughs> and so, yes, AI, how programmers are taking that into account and going, oh, you might actually not be able to make a bodiless AI have emotions or having a complex emotional experience but if you give it a body and it's interacting with a physical world or in this case a simulated world that might actually further allow (laughs) it to have a complex range of emotions because it has interoception which Uh, we're starting to understand is you're freaking me out man you're freaking me out yes i know (laughs) and that's why that's why i get so frustrated with a lot of modern sci-fi movies where they just go but what if robots fell in love or what if they wanted the right to vote like what what are you talking about that's not okay (laughs) yeah i I agree i I share that frustration i'm fascinated by the concepts of ai and what they would want if they ever woke up or organized but the avenues that i see a lot of science fiction shows and novels go down um Mm. isn't quite it's it's very you know, human for lack of a better term. There's not really, yeah. it's not really. And I'm amazed that right now, like it. it should be a profoundly alien. And I think that, I well, am that's... mother, which came out this year is yeah, the I like only that. one. I really yeah. enjoyed. I am. It's mother. actually an AI I, being an AI. I thought it was going to be like every time I was like, Oh, this is dumb. That'd be another reveal. Mm. And I'm like, Oh, okay. It's not dumb at all. It's actually, Oh, well, great. You know, like, and that kept happening like three or four times. And I like that in the movie Ex Machina as well, yes. where the robot where you're breaks. Just never sure. You're never sure. And she breaks out 
of prison and the what she the first thing that she wants to do is go to a busy intersection mm. and watch the busy intersection so she can see all these Which... data all these data clusters intermingling with all their yeah. infinite probabilities and that just like blows her mind and it's something she really wants to do and i'm like that's properly alien that's something mm. that i could totally see an ai digging and just really getting off on you know like so i thought that was really and well I done i think the movie her the Joaquin phoenix college yeah. handsome one that also she gets to a point where she evolves so much that she can barely communicate with joaquin she's just like yeah. um we're going somewhere where are you <laughs> going uh how do i put this um... <laughs> in terms you can understand it's like she's trying to talk to a cat or something you know like uh yeah how do i um, put this oh god that reminds me my uh, it's so sad you know what if you have two dogs you have two pets of any kind and one of them dies and yeah. then the re- surviving one's like well, where is he um oh gee buddy uh how do i they just cannot there's this. no that's what it's they say on a whole other level they say that um this is pretty dark a little dark but they say that if a dog's owner dies Mm. Uh, a lot of people's first instincts are to uh, never let the dog see the body because that'll freak the dog out. So protect the dog from that. But it's actually the opposite. Mm. If you let the Yo, dog, yeah. if you if you let the dog smell the dead body, the dog gets it. The dog's like, oh, okay, he's dead. But if you don't ever let him smell the body, then he'll wait for the rest of his life for his owner to come home. Yeah, maybe we should be taking if you have got if you've got two pets and you gotta put one down, maybe take the other one along. Um but it's okay, not only on a huge tangent, but I feel it's a real shame that we are so divorced from death in that's modern a tr- society. That's, it's like, oh no, that's, don't see it, don't talk about it. That's a, yeah, and that is that is something that I could talk for hours about and I fully totally agree but let's uh let's steer it back because yes. that's a huge concept we're in a world of de-rezzing our, rather than our death our, and life our and society's all. inability to deal with death that's a whole that's a 10-part podcast unto itself i totally I, I totally agree <laughs> i know this is what i do in prometheus where i i i just go on real deep philosophical points that are somewhat related to the film but <laughs> somewhat related. anyway yeah yeah that's all right style. So, but yes, uh, getting back on track is um, I, I wanted to say sort of costume related, the identity disc. Yeah. In this movie, it is sort of like a, I, well, I don't want to say it's like a like a you know a number tattoo, but it, it is something you would give to a prisoner as an identification. You know, you are wearing this. We're recording everything about you. You're using it as a weapon, and it's only given to these basically prisoners. But then Flynn changes that. He changes it into almost a, an opposite symbol, where it's a symbol of citizenship. Your identity disc identifies you. It records all your memories, all your experiences. Um, and, I mean, it is a weapon as well, but it's it changes its, sim, its symbol, what it, what it represents. What Does it? it? Do you what think function so? function it serves for the individual. You mean like between Tron and Tron Legacy, it changes its function? Yeah, because... Or you just mean in the hands of Flynn. Because I never saw it, like, I never saw it, like, okay, here, conscript, here's your, like, identity tattoo, here's, like, here's your monitoring device. I just sort of took it, like, like, I didn't think that the identity disc was something that was just solely being handed out 
by the MCP. I thought the identity. Yeah, was, was in the next that... scene, um, I think my minute, my final minute, cuts off just before Sark gets to it. But you have been given an identity disc. It will record all your information, and uh, like, I can't remember the specific dialogue, but yeah. um, he actually. Or at least I got that impression that well, not everyone has an identity disc. I don't think Yori does. I don't think a lot of other no Yori do, Yori does whereas... and a bunch of them don't. I wonder if it's just the yeah. If that's yeah. This, if this is just you know this is something I didn't really understand. But I think that the identity disc is something that is something that the MCP has created and is handing out, and that is he's the only person yeah. that's doing that. Wild man, wild. And well, the other idea is so now every citizen on the grid in Legacy has an identity disc which is yeah. also a weapon which is yeah. like, why is everyone armed What's going it's like on? everybody's got a gun they're carrying around a gun but the gun is also their identity disc which i think mm. is fascinating they're not separated you don't have your personality and all of your memories and also a weapon on your hip they are both the same thing although in uh, uprising have you seen uprising i have i really enjoyed it Oh, so good. Uh, I, I want another season. Just Disney, if you're going to give us more Tron, just give it more Uprising. My hope, my hope is that by the time this is finished, and maybe I also do Uprising, and then maybe I help you do Legacy or something, that um, yeah, definitely. there'll be more Tron comes out or something like that. I want more Tron. Well, we've got Disney Plus. They are they trying need, all these new different things. They need mm. content, right? Maybe they'll pull a Netflix and just be like, sure, yes, absolutely. Sounds great. Let's do it about everything. You know, I hope that they do that. Yeah. Um, I, Elijah Wood was at Supernova Comic Convention this year, and I actually got to ask him about... Well, I, said, I was just asking about voice acting in general, but just asking about his experience with Tron, and he seemed pretty keen to do more. He enjoyed the experience. Of course, and, yeah. And uh, he sort of had a little bit of a an insight into the next season. It was just basically, yeah, we, we from the beginning... I mean, we all know this. is It was supposed to bridge into legacy but he right. said it was actually going to show legacy from beck's perspective which would have been interesting uh that would be interesting i think i just kind of want more news stories though that explore that that whole place i don't really want to see yeah i wonder if they could just a different view if anything i'd want to see the chapter that deals with the isos to me that was yes fascinating but getting back to uh getting back to 1982 it's, oh yeah, no, why I brought it, that up? Sorry, uprising. Um, yeah, yeah. In the identity disc, so you, you actually see it, it can actually come apart, and you can actually change the casing and stuff. So they they do play with, of all things in this world, they've played with the identity disc concept quite a lot and altered yeah. it with each iteration. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. I'm glad they do that. I like that it's such an iconic symbol too. It's just a zero, it's just a circle. Mm. You know. And in yeah, because here they're solid, but in the in Legacy they're like yeah. a donut, a donut shape. They have a, a hole in the middle. I so regret selling my Tron Legacy identity disc because they're worth hundreds of dollars now, and oh. it was really cool. But... Where'd you get it? Was it just part of the promotion or something? Or it it wasn't even one like a, an exclusive. It was something I got at uh, Kmart. Uh, we still have Kmart in Australia, um, and. Uh, you know, just a cheap movie tie-in thing. It was like 30 bucks, and I just went, oh, well, I, I'll make a mold of it and get rid of it. And I made the mold, and then I lost the mold. So I can't even make... Because I wanted to make a proper... Um, like a light fixture I could actually plug into a wall and just power constantly. Because it was a battery-powered thing, so I went, you know, I'll right. just make a proper one. 
Nope, nope, screwed that one up. I want to, God, undo that. Oh, well, that's too bad. And then, uh, so then yeah, I mean, play... I could always sculpt it and then you could. cast it, and yeah, it's not impossible, but god damn it, I had it. <laughs> so Flynn says, Look, just so I can tell my friends what this dream is about when I wake up, where am I? Mm. And Ram says, You're a guest of the Master Control Program, and Flynn says, Oh, great. Now, I know in England it's slang. Just like I suppose also in Australia too, I guess being a, a colonial country like Canada, that prisoners are said to be guests of the queen. You, know, say yes. like, you say like, oh, for a few years I was um, a guest of her majesty, which was a polite way to say that you'd spent a, a few years in prison. And I like how they've included that here. Like Ram is looking for a nice way to say, yeah, you're, uh, you're in jail, buddy, you know. But also uh, guest is quite a common online term when you're in a system or on a oh, forum true. or anything like that. So you sort of have this double double meaning there. That's true. That's true. Yeah, you're a guest in this system. Yeah, for sure. Because he's not you're, signed in. He, he's Flynn not, is definitely not signed in. No. Once you, once you join the MCP, you can sign up for an account and choose a password. But right now, you're just a guest. <laughs> I love that. That's really cool. Yeah. Uh, I was just thinking about the naming conventions in Tron. So the, the first film, it's obviously you know, Tron, Ram very much uh computer related names but you got ones like sark yeah. and it's then... weird because it's like crom sark ram tron and then Dory. for some reason in dr walter gibbs is called dumont which sounds like a yeah. a very plausible actual surname anyway yeah but that's way later well that's what i was going to say is it's either computer related terms or it's a cool surname. So Rinsler was named after, what's his name? J.W. Rinsler, who's a producer for Tron and Alien Covenant, I think he worked on as well. Weird connection there. And uh, Pavel in Uprising, that's a surname. There's a lot of just surnames, so I don't know. If I was in Tron, I guess it's just Coulson. <laughs> the, uh, the Rinsler... Uh... I don't want to go off on too much of a tangent. We're already at 46 minutes, but the, the Rinsler ah, thing. I keep doing this. I know. I, we still got another minute to go. I don't even know if I've got the space on my computer to hold all these things. The, why um, did I write so much? <laughs> the, um, the, like, why wasn't Rinsler just called Tron? Why is he fighting under a surname? Like, what better symbol of the fact that you've crushed the earlier rebellion than to have the people's champion as your own executioner in the games? Yes, I have I have opinions on this, and it will come up in in my podcast eventually. Yeah, we can, it okay. is like that's one Benedict of my... Cumberbatch as Khan. So there's the scene in uh, Into Darkness where it's like, yeah. "My name is Khan." Yeah. Now, if you've seen Wrath of Khan, you already knew going into this movie that's probably what it is. If you don't, you're just like, "Hmm, should that mean something? Should I Google that right now in the cinema?" So it's the same thing with. Tron, you realize, oh, uh, Rinsler is Tron this whole time. Ah, uh, so I haven't watched Tron. So what does that mean? <laughs> well, it just means that like, well, I guess what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't mean anything. If he's Tron from the beginning and you're like, well, this movie's called Tron Legacy. What does this guy have to do with anything? He's the character that this mm. movie is named. And so you're more interested in who this Tron guy is who seems to be the brainless, mindless assassin of 
the ba- the main bad guy and then you'll find out his history as the movie goes on i see i don't see there being any need for a character named rinsler at any point in the entire film and it always kind of it's yeah i mean it's a cool name but yeah it's not a it's twist a cool name, because it's not, a, it's not a twist and it's just a reveal that's not even really done with that big of a reveal he's just like oh that's tron huh and that's it and like, i think when that's uh, the, the Dark for Tron scene. You know? We're getting way off. I know. Uh, welcome to Tron Legacy Minute. Welcome uh, to Tron Legacy Minute. Okay. All right. Then, uh, I mean, then, it's tragic when you find out, but it's just like, yeah, but the it's name It's tragic, didn't... but that reveal could have been done so much better, I think. That's mm-hmm. one of my major... I love, I love Legacy. I saw it again the other night, and I think it's a great film. But that is one of my, my major pet peeves of it. It's just... I don't oh, know well, there was another thing that... With, um, uh, with Tron. He's his like whole this I, grid. He's like okay. All right, I'm gonna I could talk about that oh. for another hour. Yeah, <laughs> it just reminded me talking about um, legacy. Something else we don't have in this version of the grid is atmospheric elements or your particulate elements, as Ridley Scott likes to yeah. call them. Yeah. I think Tron Legacy is so filled with like almost breathable atmosphere. You can yeah. feel the rain. You can feel. Oh, it's just so tangible. Whereas in Tron, it's almost it reminds me of that line uh, Morpheus says, "You think that's air you're breathing? Like it's yeah. such a primitive simulation. There's not even oxygen, probably. No, no, definitely not." And then Ram says to Flynn, "They're going to make you play video games." To which Flynn replies, "Okay, no sweat. I play video games better than anyone." Ram gets a huge kick out of this and looks back at Tron, the reigning champion, as if to say, "Get a load of this guy." And laughs his head off. And it's such a delightfully earnest laugh. And then you hear one of those huge explosions go off in the background again. Yeah. And that was actually he... my final note for yeah. this minute. Was, um, so it, making Flynn a gamer, that's yeah. actually an, like an adult character. I think Jeff Bridges is about 33 when they were filming this. Mm. Um, an adult who is good at games, first of all. Yeah. But also he's cool. Like Flynn's arcade is a cool hangout. People yeah. are watching him play a game. Like you will not see that in the real world until now where you've got these humongous stadiums being filled for people to watch people play a video game. You've got teams yeah. of professional gamers. Yeah. But at the time it was just well, games are for children. They're these silly little things to pass the time. Yeah, it's very true. It's very true. And now it's like people watch more of uh, Dota or Warcraft than uh, than they watch the Super Dota Bowl. Dota was from them, yeah. 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 So a guard steps and, on... T- yeah. Um, yeah, again, Tron is way ahead of its time, culturally, te- in terms of technology. Yeah, and I think it's like the time is right for another Tron property now more than ever. It's very relevant. It's still give it very, to very me. relevant, right? <laughs> yeah, give it, give it to me. Um, a guard steps on top of the invisible top of Flynn's cell and gives it a shock jab with his staff, setting off the purple octagon pattern again and says, move out this way. And Flynn shuffles out of the cell as Ram glowers up at the guard openly. And also I wanted to add that... Um, as a costume designer, like <laughs> those suits are tight. Uh, like Tron's, yeah. Tron's gazing. And it's white. <laughs> Tron's gazing pensively away from us in the background, which I guess is probably done to explain why Flynn doesn't recognize him later. But it's giving mm. us a 
pretty good like Flanders snowsuit view of Bruce Boxleitner's. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like he's wearing nothing at all, nothing at all, nothing at all. You know. Oh, I I don't understand. That's one of the. Mm, should we? Mm, we could save it for the next minute because I could talk about these uh, guard costumes as well. well. Let's let's save it for the next minute. Yes, we're, we're already Super at sexy Flanders next time. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, this minute adds with a giant laser blast sound and a few of the veins of light go bright in the background, lighting up the guards a little bit. And now that I'm looking out for it, this is obviously another one of those shots where they process the film out of order. And this scene has a break where everything went a few shades brighter. So they added the background light and sound pulse effect to mask it. Oh, that's why that happens. Yeah. I, I was watching it going, it's my TV broken yeah. is, oh, no. and it works it works great it ends up making the world feel really alive but it's a it's just a, a happy mm. accident where they just were like oh how do we cover up this huge mistake and then they ended up adding <laughs> light pulses and stuff and uh the differences in the novel and the screenplay in the novel tron goes on a pretty lengthy internal monologue after ram asks him if he still thinks the users are out there like he's exhausted from the prison cell and the constant rounds of competition that don't even present him with that much of a challenge. It's revealed that he's deeply in love with a program named Yori and all his hopes and dreams are pinned on getting out of there and being reunited with her. He asks himself mm. why the users haven't intervened in the MCP's takeover before realizing that they had intervened in the form of him and that he himself is the embodiment of the user's intervention, that he was the tool of the user's. But then as he doubts his faith, he thinks about how hard the MCP and Sark are trying to stamp out faith in the users. And why would they do that if loyalty to the users wasn't a threat? And then the MCP, then he comes to the conclusion that the MCP and Sark are the fanatics, not him. And that their brutal efforts to stamp out the faith was only a sign of how important that faith was. So as they increase their impression, their oppression, so too they reinforce his faith, which I think is a pretty insightful little window into the mind of a missionary. You know, like the harder you try yeah. to destroy a religion, the stronger you'll make it. You know, and he thinks of Yori again longingly. Tron and Ram share a wordless agreement to work together and to never bow to Sark or the MCP. And this is all before Flynn even walks into the force field after saying hi. So that's quite a lot of exposition that might have been put to better use somehow in the script. And oh, also, Flynn seems to think that what they mean by playing video games is that they'll take him to a literal game console or arcade yeah. cabinet somewhere and that he'll be playing those. Bruh, you're in the game. Yeah, and he even he even thinks, well, if that's how they measure power here, then I might even have a future in politics in this dimension if that's your metric <laughs> of merit. You know? Yeah. It's just pretty funny. Yeah, I, so I think, uh, and we've come back to this a few times it's just there's a real issue of pacing like uh, you decide to show this but tell this and and the other way around like why and, and i think a lot of it is yeah more show less tell yeah and um but also when they do hit on these really profound existential issues about creation and creator and all that they actually tend to skip through that too quickly and then I, they'll yeah, spend I, ages on a solar sailor doing nothing they toss these they toss these lines off that are really deep and then they don't really visit mm. them again and then they spend yeah a long time on like the solar sailor traversing prairies and stuff like that and uh, i think they're just so hot to showcase all the amazing work that they were doing that um they felt that they'd addressed 
those deeper core themes with the lines that were included in the film. I mean, I don't know. To I'm me, edit the, this movie. <laughs> the only thing, yo, yeah, definitely get in there and edit it to make it a, like a one-hour mm. quick film. I think one of the things that really stands out to me is that the major accomplishment of this movie is that five different computer animation houses worked on it, and it looks like it was done by one computer animation house, and that is a real triumph of the art direction. I think is that it looks like it was it's got yeah. a homogenous was... look to it. Even though it was done was by really like, closely. yeah, wildly different computers and wildly different teams, and uh, it still looks like it was got a it's got a, a look to it that looks consistent across the whole film. Yeah, uh, well, obviously we talk about the next minute when the recognizer shows up, but yeah, how they've animated things is just it's fascinating. It really is. Yeah, well, I think that takes us to the end of the minute. What do you think? Mm. Okay, I so, think so. We're yeah. a little boy. Yep. 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 <laughs> do you want to uh, tell people where they can find you if they want to hear more of your dulcet tones? Yes. So the Prometheus by Minute podcast, you can find that anywhere. But uh, if you want to have a chat, give us some feedback and all that, you can find us on Facebook with the name Prometheus by Minute. And while well, I post the podcast to my website, Travian Designs. Uh, com t-r-a-v-i-a-n and i also post uh, costumes concept art illustrations all my creative things there so check that out awesome and if you want to get in touch with us check out more at tronologically speaking.com drop us a line on twitter at tronologically speaking send us an email at tronologically speaking at gmail.com or join us on facebook at the tronologically speaking minute by minute listeners page uh, shout out to pond5.com for the cool music and special thanks to the Star Wars Minute that started it all. Go on over to the moviesbyminute.com, moviesbyminutes.com and see if your favorite movie is there. And if it isn't, consider doing one yourself. Um, do you want to do a little end of line on three? Oh, yes. All right. One, two, three. End, end of, of line. line.